Hey guys, it's me. I know most of you have probably noticed that there was not an episode released last week. Basically, it's totally on me. I'm a slacker, but Alyssa and I had pretty busy weeks last week. It was a holiday. Uh, We were both out of town, just craziness happening. So because of that, we missed it. But I'm making sure to bring you guys an episode this week, and I'm hoping to not miss another week anytime soon. I'll probably be posting two episodes this upcoming week just to make up for the missing one last week. But anyway, let's go ahead and get into today's case. So in 1892, a grisly crime rocked the quiet town of Fall River, Massachusetts. Andrew Borden and his wife Abby had been found brutally murdered, bludgeoned to death by an axe. While police didn't know who to blame at first, suspicion soon fell on Andrew's 32-year-old daughter, Lizzie Borden. You're listening to The Ugly Truth, and this is The Borden Family Murders. At first, August 4th, 1892, started out as a normal day at the Borden House in Fall River, Massachusetts. The family's maid, Bridget Sullivan, served breakfast to Andrew and Abby Borden while Lizzie slept upstairs. Before long, Andrew went into town, and Abby decided to straighten up the guest room in the home where Lizzie's uncle had slept the night before. The Bordens were a prosperous family and well-respected in Fall River. Andrew had been married to his first wife, Sarah, until her death, and married his second wife a few years later. His two daughters, Emma and Lizzie, were known for being well-behaved and devoutly Christian. But all was not well beneath the surface at the Borden house. Although Abby had been their stepmother nearly all of their lives, Emma and Lizzie didn't like her. The month of August started as a tense one for the Borden family. The heat was hard to bear, and the family had all gotten pretty sick recently. But by August 4th, everyone except the family maid seemed back to normal. So, quick bit of information here. Lizzie Borden, the family is well-respected, like I said. Lizzie Borden didn't like where she lived. She wanted to live in an even bigger town, just where she could get her name out there even more. But... Not exactly sure why, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But like I said, by August 4th, everyone except for the maid seemed back to normal. After Andrew left for town, his wife Abby walked up the stairs to make her bed and tidy up. But someone followed her. Later on, Andrew Borden returned from town. He asked Lizzie where Abby, his wife, had gone, to which his daughter replied that Mrs. Borden had left the house. According to Lizzie, her stepmother had received a note about a sick friend and had to go. So Andrew believed the story. He had no reason to doubt his daughter. And he settled down on a sofa in the sitting room as the maid, who was still not feeling unwell, went to take a nap in her room. But soon, the maid was awoken by a scream. It was Lizzie Borden calling for 
the maid, and crying that her father was dead. Shortly after the discovery of Andrew Borden's body, Sullivan, which is the maid, fled the house to find a doctor. But in the meantime, Lizzie's screaming had attracted the attention of several neighbors, who all called the police, as you would. Slowly, a curious crowd began to gather around the Borden residence. And at this point, Abby's whereabouts were still unknown. Reminder, Abby is the stepmother. So Lizzie Borden told her concerned neighbors the same story that she had told her father, that her stepmother had received a note asking her to visit a sick friend. Lizzie also mentioned that her parents had been ill in the previous days, and that she suspected that their milk had been poisoned. Which is quite the interesting theory. And after Sullivan returned with a local doctor named Seabury Bowen, the maid went to see if Abby was upstairs and found her dead body lying face down. She was surrounded by a pool of her own blood. It was later determined that Abby Borden had been struck 19 times with a hatchet, and Andrew had been hit 11 times with the same weapon. While Andrew was hit fewer times, his corpse was still extremely gruesome. One of Andrew's eyes had been cut in half, and his nose had been completely severed from his face. That is just... definitely screams crime of passion to me. And meanwhile... Abby's blood was dark and congealed, which led Bowen, which was the doctor, to believe that she had been killed first. But who had killed them? And unfortunately, in this case, the Borden murders yield far more questions than answers. At first, police did not suspect Lizzie Borden. After all, she was a spinster and Sunday school teacher from a respected family. Plus, Lizzie had sworn to District Attorney Hosea Knowlton that she had been in the barn looking for a piece of iron when the attacks took place. The cops initially believed the murders were perpetrated by a man, most likely a quote-unquote foreigner, which I don't know why they think that. And just a few hours later, they even arrested an innocent Portuguese immigrant. But that assumption turned out to be one of the many dead ends. A bloody hatchet was found on a neighboring farm, but it had been used to kill chickens. A strange man was seen near the Borden's property at the time of murders, but he had an airtight alibi. So all of these people they're investigating are coming up as dead ends. So they turn back to someone who they knew was in the house, Lizzie Borden. So meanwhile, all these people are getting arrested and blamed for a murder, Lizzie Borden's story kept changing. Her claim about searching for iron soon shifted into one about eating pears in the barn loft. Which, that's, that's such a random jump. Like, first she says, I'm going to, I was going to get iron. And then she says, oh, I was eating pears. Like, that's very different. I don't know how you could mix the two up. And... Unfortunately, there was no physical evidence against her, not even a bloody scrap of clothing. 
But as the police investigated the double murder, they began to believe that no one else could have done it. If Abby was killed in the morning, the murderer, assuming it wasn't Lizzie or the maid, would have likely been hiding somewhere in the house for hours, awaiting Andrew's return from town. During this time, he or she would have surely risked being spotted by Lizzie or Sullivan, the maid. And what about that note Lizzie claimed her stepmother received? Abby had clearly never made it out of the house, so where was it? Where was that note? Lizzie told her friend Alice Russell that her stepmother may have accidentally burned it. I- this story is insane. How do you accidentally burn a note? Like, oh, your friend's sick. Oops, I accidentally dropped it in the fireplace. Like, definitely a lot of loose ends in this story. And investigators also discovered that the day before the murders took place, Lizzie had tried to buy poisonous acid from a drugstore. She claimed that she needed it to put an edge on a seal skin cape, but the clerk had refused to sell it to her, saying that she needed a prescription. And a few days after the murders, Russell saw Lizzie burning one of her dresses at the stove in her house. (laughs) And when he asks her, why she was burning her dress, she simply says that it was stained and could no longer be worn. So, stained with what? Blood? I don't know. On August 8th, Borden attended an inquest hearing, during which she provided contradicting information about the murders, raising many eyebrows. By August 11th, she was arrested and put into jail. So keep in mind, the murders happened on August 4th, which means... This was a seven-day period, and they arrested her after seven days. So Lizzie's trial was one that caught the eye of media very quickly. One reporter said, quote, Our proper Victorian ancestors couldn't fathom that someone among the upper class, especially a woman, could commit such a heinous crime, end quote. Which is crazy, because in this time period, like, the way that women and men were treated is just vastly different as we all know so thinking that a woman could have killed someone in the victorian age like it's just crazy to them but we know now that women can kill just as likely as men can but though lizzie never testified during the trial she was still the star of the show at one point a piece of tissue paper covering the skull of her father fell to the floor lizzie caught sight of the bludgeoned skull, and she fainted. But presenting the skulls of the Bordens turned out to work in Lizzie's favor. Her lawyer reasoned that whoever caused such damage must have been covered in blood after the incident. But Lizzie's clothes were clean, which has led some people to believe that she might have just committed the murders completely naked. Because, you know, that's possible. I apologize for the noise in the background. I'm pretty sure there's someone mowing their lawn right now. How disrespectful. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) the defense was able to further cloud the water throughout the remainder of the trial. They produced witnesses who claimed to have seen Lizzie leaving the barn at the time of the murders. So, but that's the thing. Even if she did leave the barn, like, that doesn't... I don't know. I feel like that doesn't prove anything either way, but maybe it does. 
Um, so yeah, they claimed they'd seen her leave the barn at the time of murders and witnesses who'd seen strange characters around the Borden property were saying that it was likely she didn't do it because there were strange people. On June 19th, 1893, Lizzie was found not guilty of murdering Andrew and Abby. And soon after the dust had settled, Lizzie and her sister Emma, who inherited their father's estate, bought a house in a more fashionable part of Fall River, where Lizzie had always wanted to live. The sisters lived peacefully together in Fall River until 1904, when Lizzie Borden, now calling herself Lizbeth, met an, act- met an actress named Nance O'Neill. The pair formed a strong bond, and some speculate that they were lovers. But Emma, the sister, did not approve of the relationship. Two years after Lizzie met Nance, Emma moved out of the house that she shared with Lizzie. As for Lizzie Borden, she lived out the rest of her days a relative quiet and private life. She died in 1927 at the age of 67, taking anything she knew about the murders to her grave. Nearly a century after her death, people are still debating whether she really killed her father and stepmother or not. So who killed the loving father and stepmother? Here's a couple theories that seem a little weird, but they're theories. Some people think that Andrew's quote-unquote illegitimate son, William, I don't know if that means like stepson, I'm not sure, (laughs) illegitimate son, William committed the crime. And that Lizzie and Emma conspired to cover up his involvement. Others believe that the two sisters plotted the murders together And another line of speculation suggests that Lizzie and Sullivan were having an affair. So Lizzie and the maid might have been having an affair, which somehow led to the murders happening. Yet others wonder if it could have been the work of someone completely unrelated to the family. So, okay, that's like it on the case. It's there's not a lot of information, but I feel like if we really break down what happened, Obviously, I host a true crime podcast, so I'm going to just kind of point fingers at the person that seems most obvious, which I know isn't always the case. But Lizzie, in this case, one, she's 32 years old, and I guess she's living at home? Like, I don't completely understand that situation, but it sounds like she's living at home. (laughs) And that's already, I mean, maybe it was a different, it's a different time back then, so maybe that was part of it. But also, she burned her dress because there was a stain on it. And they say that there was no blood on her clothes, but how can you know if she might have burned the only thing covered in blood? Like, I don't know. And I think the affair theory is really interesting considering after the murders happened and after she moved, she was having, like, a romantic relationship with another woman. So I wouldn't have been surprised if that happened with the maid And maybe the parents found out and they didn't like that because it was the 1800s (laughs) and that is what led to the murders. I don't know. But I just feel like there's something missing along the storyline that easily points to someone one way or another. So I just feel like if they found like just a little bit more evidence or just that one thing, it probably could have been solved. But 
I don't know. I think I think it was Lizzie. I feel like it makes the most sense. But I don't know. I really don't know. And I guess we really never will know because the Borden family is all deceased now. But anyway, thanks for listening, you guys. I super appreciate it. This podcast has been so, so, so much fun. I love doing it every week. And the amount of love we've received is insane. I know Alyssa would say the same thing. It is wild. We've reached like 20 different countries at this point. So the fact that people in 20 different countries have listened to my voice is insane. And we're also just hitting 3,000 listeners, which is awesome. So yeah, just keep listening. We really appreciate it. We're going to keep releasing content for you guys because we love it and we really appreciate you guys as well. As always, you can follow us on Instagram at pod.theuglytruth. If you're interested in following either me or Alyssa, our handles are also linked in the bio of that account. You can also send us an email, recommend a future episode case, whatever, um, or just say, hey, it's pod.theuglytruth at gmail.com. As always, guys, we will see you next week for another exciting episode. Bye-bye.